Guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. I'm currently reading and enjoying and hating and struggling through and basking in the middle volume in a trilogy of crime novels by James Elroy. The trilogy is called the USA Underworld Trilogy. I've mentioned it before. It is, as I said, a series of crime novels by James Elroy, and I know it's a losing venture if you're trying to engage people to start talking in an involved way about a book that they probably haven't read, or a movie that they haven't seen, or an album that they haven't heard. So I'm not going deep into the book at all. I mean, this is a very surface-level conversation. I just think there's something very interesting about the way that this book is both very good and very bad, and it's making me think kind of critically about ways that I approach my own work and in particular, my own failures. If you're not familiar with James Elroy, incidentally, he is a very colorful character. He is He's most famous for having written L.A. Confidential and The Black Dahlia. Here's my final comment on L.A. Confidential, the movie. I go to a video store in Prairie Village, Kansas. The youngsters who work there know me as the guy who wrote L.A. Confidential. They tell all the little old ladies who come in there to get their G-rated family flick. They come up to me. They say, oh, you wrote L.A. Confidential. What a wonderful movie. Kim Basinger was so beautiful. Is she a nice person? Yeah, she's all right. It was a wonderful movie. Oh, what a wonderful movie. Is Kevin Spacey really gay? Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful movie. I saw it four times. You don't see storytelling like that on the screen anymore. I smile. I say, yes, it's a wonderful movie and a salutary adaptation of my wonderful novel. But listen, Granny, you'll love the movie. Did you go out and buy the book? And Granny invariably says, well, no, I didn't. And I say to Granny, then what the fuck good are you to me? And this book that I'm reading now, called The Cold 6000, is a sequel to the first volume of that trilogy, which is called American Tabloid. And it is not as good as that first book. Because for one thing, it lives in the shadow of its amazing predecessor. American Tabloid is, I think, kind of a once-in-a-career achievement. And so obviously the reader is going to be reading this one, and looking back kind of whimsically and with fond memories for how new and visceral that first book was. So right away, because of that, it starts off at a disadvantage. But there is a twist to the to the relative to the exceptional mediocrity of the sequel. This middle volume, which again is called The Cold 6000, it has lots of the same characters from that great first book. It continues then the overall narrative of that first book. It's got an equally convoluted and immersive and just fucking dazzlingly complex and brilliantly structured plot as that first book. Same amount of violence, same amount of romance. It has the same glorious ingredients and huge quantities of them. So why is it not as... Why is it conspicuously not as good? It's because of... The style. And I can't think of the last time I could say that of a book. Elroy is experimenting in the Cold 6000 with a very, a very clipped prose style. Almost every sentence of the entire narrative 
is like five words long. It's merciless, it's exhausting, it's kind of awful every now and then, I get swept up in it and like the pages fly, but for the most part, I hate it. And what I found particularly interesting in recently binging some Elroy interviews is that Elroy himself, who unabashedly identifies, self-identifies, as the greatest crime writer of all time, Elroy admits, looking back, that his stylistic decision with this book was a grievous mistake. And then he hastens to add, like, and I, I corrected that mistake with the concluding volume, which is called, um, Bloods Are Rover. But what compels me toward this messy second book, the, the, the reason it, it resonates with me in like a viscerally intimate kind of meta way, is kind of the same thing that compels me, and this is also topical and recent, about Ridley Scott's recent movies. Ridley Scott is in his 80s now, and so it's fair to call these recent movies his later movies. House of Gucci and The Last Duel and All the Money in the World, The Counselor, Pro uh, Prometheus, Alien Covenant. These are, generally speaking, not very good movies, and nobody really seems over the moon about them. Maybe certain aspects, certain performances, certainly we've all been hearing praise for Lady Gaga's performance in a movie that is by and large being referred to as like way too indulgent and long and convoluted and boring, but all these movies are touched in almost every frame by Ridley Scott's very distinct authorial signature. And all of these movies that I just mentioned have been released, I'm pretty sure, in the past decade because Ridley Scott is a workhorse. Ridley Scott released two movies in 2021 alone, a man in his 80s, and what that tells me is that this is a dude who dives into a project, gives it everything that he can, rides it out to completion, and then he moves on. You cannot release two feature-length movies with an A-list cast in the same year if you have spent a lot of time sort of putzing and second-guessing your choices and doubting yourself, basically languishing under the burden of perfectionism. I will go so far as to say that James Elroy kind of ruined what could have been a really good novel by making it practically unreadable on just a sentence-by-sentence -sentence basis. And in the wake of that terrible mistake, this novel that he worked on for years and years, it is such an intellectual and, and, and sort of raconturial feat. He's juggling all these plot lines, it's so complex, it's so fucking impressive on a structural level. But he botched it with one stupid fucking mistake, and he moved on. He moved on quickly. And he rectified that mistake in the next volume. And now, about a decade later, he has released several other books since then, and they are just as big, and they are just as complex. And he seems, his pace as an artist seems in no way slowed by the fucking emotional weight of that fuck-up. He's in his mid-70s, and so, like Ridley Scott, you could say that he is working in the later period of his novels, and those books, as I said, are big. They are ambitious. James Elroy isn't carrying his failure around with him in, in the way that I definitely would. It fucking happened dramatically. I do this with everything, with, with my, my writing especially, but also with my social life. It happened dramatically the other night at work. I was at the bar, I was cleaning a mixing station, it was late in my shift, and there was a married couple eating a pizza like two stools away from me when suddenly I remembered something stupid that I had said years ago. I said, years ago, I, I made a joke to my friend, I, I, I looked out my window and I saw my friend's dad standing shirtless, and I, I said, I told her the story about it, something about his tall freckledness, or his freckly bigness, uh, the fathers, and I just in passing and just in jest, but the friend really took offense to it and fucking called me out on it right there, 
on the spot in front of other friends. Like it was such a, a poorly calibrated joke and it came off just fucking mean. I remembered that episode and suddenly I just barked out. Like I, I was facing the fucking bar and I just barked out, fuck! And the couple that was sitting there, like they looked over at me like, what happened? And I was like, nah, I just, I just remembered something that I said 12 years ago. The point is, my embarrassments follow me everywhere and they never, the flame of my shame never dims. They seize me out of the blue and it, like, it gets me to actually shout and convulse in public. So while I love the work of novelist James Elroy and director Ridley Scott, and I think both of them are creative geniuses, legitimately, I don't use the word lightly, despite that, what I most like about their work these days, the way it most resonates with me, is the way in which they occasionally drop an interesting fuck-up. The ill-fated projects that were born of risky and good creative intentions, the bad works of art that are interesting for the way that you can see between the lines what the artist was trying to do and the hows and the whys of where the idea proved to be misguided. And yet, even though it was misguided, it is inherently rich, I think, and valuable because it was born of just sort of rigorous artistic principle, a dedication to trying new things, to taking risks. I look to these storytellers for pointers on how to build character and mood and momentum in a story so that I can apply those things to when I'm telling a story, but at a place removed from the details of, of creating art, I look at them as role models who can provide some tips and pointers not only on how to succeed as a storyteller, but how gracefully to fail. How to fail in an interesting way and how to leave that failure behind. You've been listening to the Thousand Movie Project podcast. If you like what you heard and you'd like to hear more of it, you can of course check out our back catalog, but you can also support the show by becoming a patron. If you go to patreon.com forward slash thousand movie project, or if you just go to patreon.com, there's like a search bar. I don't know if you can find this show if you just type in my name, but definitely if you type in the name of the show, it will come up. All those donations get pulled up and they amount ultimately to like what I would earn at a every month, what I would earn in a shift of bartending, which means that every now and then I can take off a bartending shift and just churn out an episode. Apart from providing some financial breathing room, it's also super like encouraging to think that anyone is listening to this and they're like so interested and so supportive that they're gonna like throw a few bucks at me. Like, so for the for the financial well-being of the show, the regularity of the show, and for the, the warming kernel of encouragement, you can again Go to patreon.com, search for a thousand movie project podcast, and make a, make a pledge. As usual, thank you for listening, and thanks for your support.